0: Coal fire part two featuring Sharon Combs Jake Ford Jeff Gardiner Chad Bradford Victoria Hoffman and Peter von Shalle probably in that dark basement. She placed her hand on the door handle and slowly pulled it to peer down into the pitch-black depths below. Hello?
1: ronnie Ronnie, is that you?
0: Lee looked into the gaping void at the bottom of the steep staircase, heart-pounding. In response, she heard something angry growl. The sound of frantic footballs pacing back and forth. Suddenly, it hit her. Darren! She cried into the darkness.
1: Are are you down there?
0: In her half-woken stupor, she had almost dismissed Darren's arrival as a dream.
1: What are you doing down there in the dark?
0: Feeling more sure of herself, she carefully padded down the steps and into the damp warmth of the basement. She carefully walked forward and felt for the pull string. Bracing herself, she pulled the cord and a sudden dim glow illuminated the room. The sight that greeted her was not exactly what she was expecting. Darren was indeed in the basement. Various boxes and tools lay strewn across the floor And he stood with his back to her, facing the earthen wall, fiercely digging at it with his bare hands. Clods of earth lay at his feet, and the sudden light startled him. He whirled around to face Lee, sweat dripping from his brow, his eyes wide in shock. Lee! He held his hands up in surprise.
2: Man, am I happy to see you. Wait, what are you doing here? I I woke up in your old room. I'm not sure how I got here, but... Here I am, the old casa. (laughs) Hey, listen, you you need to help me. I I, I finally figured it out. We need to help him.
1: Help who? Let's slow down, okay? Why don't we sit down? Tell me what's going on.
0: She put on her therapist's voice.
2: Sit down? We don't have time, Lee. Don't you see? Help me out with this, would you?
0: With that, He turned around and started thrashing at the earthen wall again. Lee sighed and fought the tugging she felt on her emotions to engage with her brother. Darren. She wavered for a moment but held strong and conjured the same speech she had given him time and time again.
1: You are using. I want to be there for you. I really do. I love you. You're my brother. But as long as you are using, I am not going to be a party to your addiction. So unless the next words out of your mouth are, I'm going to rehab, or I'm clean right now and have been for months, there's nothing I can do for you right now. And we have to part ways. Again.
0: At this, Darren stopped his frantic digging and turned to face Lee. He regarded her for a moment with pursed lips before speaking.
2: No. You don't understand. Okay. I'm not clean, but but the the junk is out of my system. Trust me, I'm fucking jonesing like a motherfucker, but listen, I really need your help. Something big is going on here. I've been... Well, I've been talking to Dad. Wait, wait, I I know, I know, I know, I know. I, I, I thought it was just in my head, but I have reason to believe he's real.
1: Dad, like our dad. God damn it, Darren. Do you have any idea how hard this is right now? After everything I've gone through, do you even know what we're doing here? It's so unbelievably selfish of you to just come here out of nowhere and start with your crazy junky nonsense. I'm leaving. I'm going upstairs and I'm calling the cops. Wait, Lee.
2: Please, j- just wait.
1: Ellen, you shut
2: up!
0: Darren yelled to an empty corner of the room. He took a desperate step towards her, and Lee instinctively put her hands up and flinched.
2: And he won't stop talking. He, he won't. He won't go away. He won't leave me alone. I, I can prove it to you. Please, just give me a chance. Just one chance. I, I know. I know. I know you don't. You don't owe me anything. And God. No, there aren't enough sorries in the world to make up for what I've done, but please hear me out. one last time. And then I'll go away forever.
0: I promise. Lee sighed and thought for a moment.
1: Okay, Darren. One chance. But once I'm satisfied that you are not talking to our dead father, I will be on my way upstairs and calling the cops unless you leave. Thank you. <laughs> Okay.
2: I just need you to listen. Carefully. What? Shh! Do you hear them?
0: Lee reluctantly did as she was told, and it took all her might to stop her from rolling her eyes. A moment passed, then another. Lee was starting to get impatient. Somewhere outside, a lone car passed by.
1: What am I listening for, Dee?
2: They're in there. Once you hear it, you can't unhear it.
1: Who? Where?
2: Dad told me. He's in there in and out here. I I don't know.
1: It's crazy shit. I I didn't believe it until I heard it. Okay, Darren, I did what you said, and I think it's time that we go.
0: But Lee stopped suddenly. Eyebrows crinkled and leaned toward the earthen wall.
1: What the?
0: She trailed off. She did hear something. It was faint at first, almost like a whisper, but the more she focused on it, the louder it became. It sounded like… people yelling far off in the distance. No, not just yelling. Screaming. Moaning. It sounded like people in great gut-wrenching pain. Or maybe it was just wind moving through a tunnel.
2: You hear it, don't you? Dad told me about it and I didn't believe him, but there it is.
1: It could just be air moving through those old shafts, Darren. The simplest explanation is usually the correct one. Occam's razor and all that.
0: Darren stuck his tongue out at her.
2: Yeah, but you don't actually believe that, do
0: you? Lee swallowed. She didn't, and a chill worked its way up her spine. She opened her mouth to speak, but a noise at the top of the stairs stopped her short. The basement door banged open, and Ronnie could be heard angrily stomping down the steps. What the hell is going on down here? He was carrying his old double-barrel shotgun he kept in his truck, pointed at the ground and was wearing his old blue bathrobe. Lee let a slight smile touch her lips at the thought of him packing it to travel. Jesus,
3: you two. What the hell happened down here? I thought an animal broke in or something.
0: Are you okay, sweet pea? Did he hurt you?
1: No,
3: I'm fine.
0: Ronnie visibly relaxed and scratched his graying hair.
3: Jesus, Darren. What the hell did you do down here?
0: Darren, who had been crouching, stood to his full height and squared his shoulders towards Ronnie. You. And a fiery glint filled his eyes. You motherfucker. You asshole. Good to see you too, son. Ronnie sat himself on the bottom step.
2: Don't call me son.
0: It's a turn of phrase, Darren. Ronnie was used to this kind of greeting from Darren. Their relationship had always been chilly but after Darren started using, it had become more and more terse.
3: I've heard about you. I know what you did. Son, Darren, it's late. Why don't we all go to bed? I'm sure we can talk about whatever this is in the morning.
2: No. We'll talk about this
3: now. He told me. He told me what you did. D, I don't know what you're on about. But I'm tired, and it's
0: midnight." He shot Lee the the he's-on-the-junk-again look. Lee shrugged and pursed her lips.
2: "'Ronnie, your best friend Bud told me everything on the way here. I remember now, my head is all fucked up, but I remember what he told me. Originally I came here to take shit and sell it, but now that I know, there's a new plan. I hated the old man, but he was my dad. And what you did is so unbelievably fucked up.
0: Darren took a step toward Ronnie, who instinctively started to raise his weapon, but thought better of it and aimed it back at the floor. Listen to me, Dee. If you're in there somewhere,
3: I pray a part of you can hear me. Whatever you are going through is because of the junk. Or your withdrawals are some loose wires in that skull of yours, boy. So please, calm down and let's take a breath before someone gets hurt.
2: Shut up, it! I am trying to think!
0: Lee had the feeling that Darren had not said that to Ronnie. Okay.
3: Ronnie. Tell her the truth. Tell Lee what happened. Tell her about what, Dee? You know, I'm getting sick and tired of this crap. I'm going to call the cops.
0: Ronnie answered as he stood and reached into his pocket for his phone.
2: Tell her, coward, about the fire in the mine. Tell her what you did.
3: Let's go upstairs, hun. Now. Come on. We're getting out of here. Fine. I'll do it, asshole. You killed them. You killed
2: those miners. What did you say to me, boy? I said... You fucking killed our dad, asshole. And all those other miners.
1: Hey, guys, can we calm down here? Ronnie, put that gun away. Let's go upstairs and talk.
3: Tell her, you coward. God damn it, son. I am out of patience with you.
1: Ronnie, Darren, please. Let's calm down.
3: You killed them. I want to hear it with your own mouth. You know you did it. It was an accident, stupid. Just a goddamn accident. There was nothing anyone could have done.
2: Yes, but what happened after
3: the accident? Say it. Say it! Say it! God damn it, okay. I fucking sealed the mine. You happy? What? After the fire. I... I sealed the mine. There was a chance chance they could have been alive, and I sealed the mine. I made a choice. I had to protect the rest of my crew. And then I... I, I...
0: Then what? Ronnie looked at Lee, and the sight of her soft brown hair, her green eyes, broke something in him. Ronnie let out a sob, now raw.
3: I, I covered it up. I couldn't. I couldn't. A choice. God damn it. I, I had to save the mine and save my other guys, and there was no way they could have made it out alive.
2: <laughs> That's just the thing, Ronnie, old boy. They were alive, and they cooked to death running away from the flames down that dark tunnel. Bud showed me everything.
0: Darren had a sinister smile on his face. And Lee began to feel a cold chill work up her body.
2: But let's get real. You were also porking his wife, taking his kids. The guy was already a mess. Why not just let this convenient accident take him out of the picture? How dare you?
3: I would never. He was my best friend. I would never.
0: But Ronnie knew that somewhere deep down inside, there was a kernel of truth to that statement.
1: Wait, Ron? Really? Why why didn't you tell me? Us?
0: I couldn't
3: stand the idea of you two knowing that I had something to do with it. I already loved you guys so much, and the thought of you and your mother thinking that I was some kind of monster, there was no other way.
0: The three of them stood in silence for a moment. The air seemed to have deflated from the room.
3: Wait. How would you know that? Only one other person knew that, and he died years ago. Like I said, my dad told me everything.
2: Everything. About how you were porking mom, and he knew the whole time, and about how the mine hutch broke down, and how they had to hustle down the shaft back to the elevator in the dark, about how they started burning slowly, how their skin started to bubble, and how they found the seal closed after running all that way, exhausted. It's a
3: bad way to die, man. No. That's not true. I died instantly.
0: He looked to Lee.
3: Sweetie, I. I'm so sorry. I. I meant to tell you, it's just. There it really was no other way. I had to protect the lives of everyone who worked on that site.
0: Lee was empty and stared at Ronnie blankly.
1: I just need. I need to go to sleep. I can't deal with this right now. You goddamn men
0: she gazed at both of them for a moment then pushed past ronnie and bolted up the stairs she instinctively ran all the way to her old room where she slammed the door shut and fell onto her bed burying her face into the pillow her emotions were a sea roiling and pounding threatening to break through her carefully crafted dam and she worked to force them down allowing only the slight trickle of a tear to escape her eye. She must have fallen asleep. She blinked and found herself in a dream. She was small, a child, she realized, in a strange mid-sized wooden room The room seemed to bend and curve at strange angles that made her feel uneasy, and the walls moved of their own volition in and out, slightly, as if the room were breathing. She was surrounded by people, women, her mother, her aunt, her grandmothers on her mom and dad's sides, and other women from town. They were much taller than her, she seemed to look through a sea of legs as they surrounded her and talked in low murmurs. They were all wearing shapeless gray robes, something akin to old monk cowls. She couldn't quite make out what they were saying, but they were upset. Some of the women cried, others were angry. Granny Louise was especially angry kept casting glances at Lee as she sat in the center of this room, now scared for some reason she couldn't pinpoint. In the center of the room, she could make out what looked like a dais with an old wooden box atop it. The women suddenly went silent. Granny Louise walked to the dais and carefully opened the wooden box. She reached in and pulled out A golden kopesh, an Egyptian sword. Its hilt was old, wrapped in what looked to be dried leaves, but on its pommel gleamed the metallic head of some kind of terrifying creature Lee could not name. The blade itself shone in a single beam of light coming from the ceiling, refracting golden light about the room. The heel of the blade was straight, But the golden metal took a wicked curve in its center and ended at a multi-pronged point. It looked sharpened to perfection. Lee was very afraid and cowered back on her haunches, but found that she could not move. The room seemed to disappear around her in a black void, but Granny Louise remained in her strange robe wielding the curved blade. She stalked toward Lee, looming taller and taller until she filled all of Lee's vision and brought the blade over her head to strike. Lee could not move, could not speak, and looked on with utter helplessness as the blade fell upon her in slow motion. Lee awoke with a start, heart beating wildly. Her mind struggled to process the nightmare. The house was silent. She found her phone on the bedside table and checked the time. 3.10 a.m. For a moment, she stared at the ceiling, trying to chase away her nightmare. She was perplexed. The dream had felt very real. She wanted to get up right then, jump into Ronnie's truck, and drive back to Boston. Back to her cozy apartment. Her little black cat, Jewel. Her job that she loved her life that was free from all this garbage. She was her own person in Boston, and her past did not define her, only her actions, back where none of this mattered. As her thoughts bent toward her new life, she felt herself slip back into sleep, but a sudden noise startled her awake. It sounded like wind traveling through a distant cavern, but there was something underneath it whispering, and something like moaning, screaming. It was the sound that Darren had shown her in the basement, and it seemed to be coming from the bottom floor of the house. She threw the covers over her head, willing it to go away, but the noise persisted, growing in intensity until it filled her entire skull. With a sudden flash of exasperation, Lee threw off her covers and stood, her bare feet touching the thin-aged carpet. At this the sound seemed to lessen into a low background rumble her heart was suddenly pounding but she felt an inexplicable yearning to go back downstairs and face the progenitor of the bellowing cacophony stealing herself she carefully opened her door and crept down the hallway to the stairs she paused for a moment unsure of what was exactly going to be accomplished by going back down there but she was wide awake and the compulsion to keep going was now overwhelming, like an invisible hand pulling her along. Standing at the top of the landing reminded her of all the time she stood there as a little girl, listening to the sound of her parents fighting, scared but unable to stop herself from overhearing. She found her brother asleep on the couch. He had thrown all of the blankets onto the floor, and placed all the pillows over his head, She recovered Darren and regarded him for a moment before turning back to the source of the noise, the basement. Before she knew it, she was descending the dark staircase, once again to the unusual warmth of the dank room. When she turned the light on, she found that most of the clutter had been picked up, save the dirt clods her brother had ripped from the wall. She was not sure what to do next, so she made her way to the earthen wall and placed her ear next to it. She felt the air release from the room and a pressure build in her ears. Still, she strained to listen. Yes, she could hear it clearly now. Individual voices. But she couldn't make out their words.
1: Hello? She
0: said, (laughs) gripping her hands into fists, not quite sure if anyone was listening. All at once, the sounds dissipated. She cocked her head sideways in reaction to the jarring silence. She waited, alone with the thudding of her heart. One minute. Two. Nothing. She turned to leave, but she felt a pressure push her forward and a sudden loud booming sound that penetrated the air. It was loud and persistent, and it screamed... Her name. She heard it cry from the earthen wall, and a hot wind followed it, blowing her forward. She opened her mouth to scream, but found her mouth was dry and uttered a croak instead. She fell forward, hands splayed on the concrete, scorching wind coursing over her back. She was too terrified to move, but managed to elicit a whimpering-
4: What do you want?
0: from her mouth. There was no response and the hot wind died down to a light, warm breeze. She crawled forward and bumped into one of the boxes she had packed. It toppled to the ground, spilling its contents. The strange book, her mom's art project, was one of these items. It flew open almost of its own accord to a page near the back of the tome. Suddenly interested, she crawled forward and gazed at the picture, It was the women from her dream. A large group of them all standing and facing the camera with those unsettling blank looks on their faces. She noticed Granny Louise standing in the middle of the group, holding the kopesh, that curved sword. It looked exactly as it had in her dream, including the animal face on its pommel. How could she have dreamt about this sword thing she had never seen in her life in such perfect, vivid detail, unless it was a memory. Lee shuddered and felt her stomach drop into the floor. Her visions began to go hazy. A sudden realization bloomed in her mind. Torrents of memories long forgotten or suppressed appeared in her psyche at breakneck speeds. They came so quickly she barely had time to process them. She remembered sitting in that strange room, all of the women around her, intoning words together in reverence, hands clasped with one another. It was a fond memory. She remembered a feeling of belonging and warmth. More like that ensued. There was laughter, mirth, fond hugs. The memories turned sour, though. As an image of her mother, bruises on her cheek, stood in her robes, tears coursing down her face as some women hugged her, others stood in silence or murmured angrily in the corners of the space. Lee remembered feeling scared, helpless, and angry, very, very angry, at her father, whom she imagined was the culprit. She remembered candlelit rituals, singing songs. She remembered other little girls in the group as well, people she hadn't thought about in years. How had she forgotten all of this? She placed the book in the box and turned back to the earthen wall. It loomed over her, now appearing to be miles high. A final memory struck her. The women stood in a circle in their robes, Two black candles flickered in the darkness on the wooden dais, and the kopesh lay between the candles. Was there something coating that blade? It looked to be a red, sticky substance, and Lee's adult mind registered it as crimson blood. A picture of her father lay under the sword. He looked up from beneath the blade, blankly smiling up at the photographer, presumably Lee's mother. A thought struck her had these people had something to do with her father's death the idea chilled her and she stood dusting herself off then she heard it again that sound wind blowing through a tunnel but underlaid with agonized voices this time it was much much louder it emanated from the wall and lee started backing toward the steps suddenly a noise from above drew her attention She saw her brother bang the basement door open above her. He sped down the stairs toward her. At first, Lee flinched from him in fear, but Darren continued past her and placed himself between her and the wall.
2: Looks like the tables have turned, little sis. You can hear them, can't you? It's just like Dad said. What did you do, Lee? Man, they're
0: loud. Indeed. He almost had to shout to be heard over the howling wind. The noise was now accompanied by a thudding boom that slightly shook the basement. Lee was frozen in fear and willed her body to move to the stairs, but found her feet glued to the floor like a bad dream. The thuds increased in volume, now rhythmic.
1: Darren, this is crazy! What the hell is going-
0: But Lee was cut off by a loud bang, and the two siblings now instinctively held on to each other shower of hot earth pelted Lee's face and body, causing her to turn away and brace herself. When she turned back to the wall, her blood froze. There was something reaching through the earthen wall. She had to blink hard a few times to confirm that what she was witnessing was real. A charred, skeletal hand was reaching through the earth moving clods of dirt out of its way, pushing, wrenching, reaching with all of its might. The hand grasped and pulled, and soon an equally charred arm groped its way out behind it. Lee opened her mouth to scream, but nothing came out of her cracked and dried throat. A smell she had never experienced permeated the room. It reminded Lee of barbecue and burnt hair. Darren turned to Lee with eyes bugged out. Are you seeing this?
2: Am I hallucinating? Is this real? Oh, God, please, God, tell me this isn't real.
1: It's. I see it,
0: she gasped. To their horror, the arm braced itself against the wall, and what appeared to be a shoulder pushed out of the hole, which was now growing bigger and bigger. Following the shoulder, the top of a head appeared. Then another arm. The figure writhed as it pressed, burnt, partially fleshed fingers into the wall for purchase and finally fell to the floor. It crouched for a moment then slowly stood to its full height. Darren and Lee stood in dumb silence as the figure regarded them. Its face was charred black, a mass of burnt flesh and bone complete with empty, hollow eye sockets. A few strands of singed hair protruded from its charred skull, and its mouth opened and closed, making a slight, clacking noise. The flesh on its body was partially intact, but what skin did remain seemed to bubble, sizzle, and writhe. The air shimmered around it, And Lee and Darren brought their hands up to shield themselves from the scalding heat emanating from its body. That was as much as Lee could take, and she finally found her legs to turn and run upstairs, a scream billowing from her throat. She made it halfway up the landing when the door flew open in front of her and Ronnie stood in its frame, clutching his shotgun. He stared at her for a moment, noticing the terrified look on her face before his face contorted in anger.
3: What the hell did that boy do now?
0: He made his way down the landing. Lee opened her mouth to tell him to turn back, but no sound escaped her lips, and she had to back down to the landing below. Ronnie shoved past her and walked full tilt toward Darren. What
3: the hell have you done now, you damn dopehead? I ought wanna...
0: Ronnie began, but noticed the figure, now standing in the middle of the space. To Lee's terror, she saw that another charred hand was reaching through the hole in the earthen wall.
3: What in the name of all the saints?
0: Ronnie began and closed his mouth, the color draining from his face. The figure turned its head in his direction, its hollow eye sockets seeming to follow his movements. Its mouth opened and released a scream so gut-wrenching, so ear-piercing, so full of rage and anguish that the three of them clasped their hands over their ears. Darren, who had been standing awestruck the entire time, fell to his knees and buried his face into the floor. Without hesitation, Ronnie lifted his shotgun and fired at the abomination. The bang was deafening, and Lee felt her eardrum split. The close-range shotgun blast did not have the desired effect. Though the blast was almost at point-blank range, the horror barely moved an inch. It paused for a moment and its skin seemed to pulsate. Then an instant later, flames erupted from the area of the blast and began to lick its body and face. The thing screamed again, but Lee could barely hear it thanks to the ringing in her ears. Flames engulfed its arms and legs and waves of heat instantly pushed Lee back to the corner of the room. The figure grabbed Ronnie's gun, and when its hands made contact, the barrel began to melt and twist. Ronnie let go of the smoldering weapon and made to scramble back, but the figure's other hand grabbed him around the neck. Lee made herself look away as the flesh around his neck began to bubble and singe. Ronnie's screams of pain echoed through the basement. Lee made the mistake of looking up again, and she wished she had not. Ronnie's face and arms were covered in flames. He writhed in the creature's grasp, screaming inaudibly, but the thing did not let him go. Flames began to jump to other parts of the basement. Boxes and tools began to catch fire, and smoke began to fill the room, choking her. Finding her footing, Lee turned to dart up the stairs, but stopped short. Darren! She screamed. She made her way toward him. Darren was still curled in a ball on the floor. Sobs were emanating from his mouth. Lee placed a hand on his shoulder and pulled him with all her strength. This seemed to wake him from his daze, and she got him to his feet. By now, another one of the skeleton horrors was in the basement, and yet another was making its way out of the wall, Ronnie was silent, limp, his entire body covered in flame. Lee and Darren made it halfway to the stairs when, through the smoke and flame, she noticed something that caught her eye. The book. It was on the floor. Flames danced around it, but the book was not catching fire. The fire seemed to melt right off of its cover. Without a second thought, Lee grabbed it, followed Darren up the stairs. They ran straight for the front door and threw it open, running out into the freezing night air. Lee felt her bare feet crunch on the naked snow, and they coughed and sputtered, clutching each other. Darren sobbed silently, his face pressed into Lee's shoulder. They stood for a moment like this, and through her tears, Lee could make out a canopy of stars above them. Lee pulled Darren's face up, and she looked at him. He had smoke stains on his face, marked with tear streaks and puffy eyes. Lee imagined she looked very similar.
1: Are you okay?
0: She said, trying to keep her voice calm.
1: Are you hurt?
0: Darren shook his head no, but remained silent. She didn't know what to say next, so she turned to look at the house fully expecting to see smoke and flames rising from it. But it was silent, dark. Its windows seemed to stare at them like the empty eye sockets of that thing they encountered in the basement.
1: That's odd. Huh. No fire.
0: Lee remarked to herself. Her mind suddenly raced, began to make connections. The memories, her brother's insistence that he had been talking to their dad, those things in the basement this strange book, Ronnie's death the pieces whirled around in her mind and she began connecting dots building a succinct picture it dawned on her with a sickening clarity and she felt torrents of emotion begin to well up in her instinctively she began to force her emotions back down, to numb herself she was not ready to face the pain she thought but something stopped her A whisper in the corner of her mind, a warm hand on her shoulder. She felt herself soften, allow. Going against the training she had subconsciously subjected herself to for years, she acquiesced to the ocean inside of her. It came out as a howl, and before Lee knew what was happening, she found herself on the cold ground clutching Darren. A sea of feelings rushed over her. Pain, anguish, remorse, fear, elation. The sounds escaping her mouth were foreign to her, and she sobbed for minutes, perhaps hours. Lee didn't know. She cried until there were no tears, heaving until her stomach opened up and she found herself releasing a torrent of steaming vomit onto the frozen snow. She threw up until her stomach was empty and continued dry heaving. She seemed to be lost in a dark river, splashing and falling, fighting to stay afloat. Finally, after what felt like hours, she breathed. Her lungs filled with cold, stinging air and her body calmed. She opened her eyes, now crusty and swollen, and noticed that she was being rocked, held, by warm arms. She allowed herself to sink into them. Who was it? Where was she? She gently pushed back and saw her brother, concern painted on his face, looking at her with such love that she felt she may start crying again, though she had no more tears at the moment. Darren, I... I... uh... I know. He pulled her back in for a hug, which she accepted. She couldn't remember the last time she had hugged her brother. She looked down and noticed the book she had brought from the basement sitting on the earth. The snow had melted around it. She reached out to touch it. It was warm, steaming, yet completely intact. She released her brother and picked it up. Its heat was comforting in the chilly air. She hadn't realized just how cold she was until this moment. She turned it over and opened it to a random page. Grandma Louise and her mother looked back at her, holding hands, blank expressions on their faces in their strange robes. Unnerved, she flipped past the pictures to what had been blank sheets of paper when she first looked at it. But now, the pages were covered in... writing. She blinked, disbelieving her eyes, and refocused her vision. She had assumed the back pages were left over from whoever had assembled the pictures, but what she saw now gave her a chill. In the dim light, she could make out small, neat handwriting. Some of it in English, some of it comprised of an alphabet she could not place. It looked to be a strange combination of Sanskrit, Greek, and... Celtic, she couldn't quite tell. There were pictures drawn in as well, pentagrams, triangles, infinity signs, pictures of animals, flowers, and detailed diagrams of strange-looking symbols she could not place. She closed the book and looked up at Darren. Sis, let's get the fuck
2: out of here. Get in the truck and ride to Mom's.
0: Darren said, bringing himself to stand, letting out a shaky breath.
2: I don't ever want to see this place again.
0: Lee paused and considered a moment, still putting the pieces of the puzzle together in her mind.
1: Darren, do you still see Dad? Um, talk to him. Is he here now?
2: No. He's been gone since I woke up, but it's strange. He was with me all the time, then just poof, gone. Who cares? Come, come on, let's let's go. I think Ronnie, Ronnie keeps. It. <laughs> Kept
0: the keys in his truck.
1: No, we can't leave yet.
0: Lee could feel clarity rising inside of her. Clarity and purpose. She made her way back to the house.
2: Wait, are are you crazy? We can't go back in there. Listen to me, please. What are you doing?
0: But it was too late. Lee was already on the porch steps and reaching for the door handle.
1: Are you going to help me or not? Help you what? Save Dad.
0: Wait, what? What? Darren began, but Lee was already pushing her way inside the house. Sighing, Darren made his way to the truck, placed his hand on the door handle and froze. Every fiber of his being wanted to jump into the truck, and who could blame him? The unspeakable horrors they had seen in the basement were beyond human comprehension. If his dumbass sister wanted to go get herself burned to cinders by some kind of he-didn't-know-what, well, let her. He pulled the door open and slid into the driver's seat. No. There was no way he was getting himself killed for no reason. He reached above the sunshade to find Ronnie's keys. They weren't there. God damn
2: it! Where are they?
0: The keys were probably upstairs in the master bedroom. He stared at the wheel. Maybe this had all been a nightmare, or a hallucination. Maybe he took an incredibly bad hit of acid and forgot. Maybe... Come on, shit
3: for brains. Don't stop now. She can't do this alone. For once in your goddamn life, think of someone besides yourself.
0: He heard his father's voice beside him, in the passenger seat.
2: Fuck you! You didn't say anything about... Flaming... Fucking skeletons, or whatever that was, you...
0: But there was no one there. Fuck. Darren angrily opened the door and exited the truck, slamming it behind him. He made his way to the front door of the house and took in a ragged breath. He opened the door slowly and stepped inside, feeling the pit of his stomach drop to the floor. (laughs) The house was silent save for a ticking clock and the hum of the refrigerator. Darren headed toward the stairs, going up to the bedrooms, but stopped by the basement door and placed his ear on the cold wood. He heard what sounded like rummaging and grunting. Lee's grunting, to be exact. Before he could stop himself, he was opening the door to the basement and marching down the steps. When he reached the bottom landing, he surveyed the scene before him. The basement was completely blackened with smoke. The smell of ash hung in the air. There was no sign of Ronnie's burnt body or any skeleton monsters. The earthen wall now contained a gaping, dark tunnel, about five feet in height and three feet wide. It made Darren shudder. Lee was kneeling in front of the cabinets that served as a toolbox under the old workbench. She dug through it with gusto, throwing tools beside her. She looked up at Darren when he entered and gave him a sly smile. Hey,
1: bro. Nice to have you. What are you doing? I'm looking for something.
0: And before he knew it, he was kneeling beside her in front of the burnt cabinet. What? She pointed to the cover of the strange book, to the sword-looking object.
1: It's called a kopesh. We need it.
2: Look, I really don't think we should mess around with whatever this is anymore. I, I, I didn't know it was this dangerous. Bud never said anything about crazy flaming skeleton things. Please, let's go.
1: You said it earlier. We have to help Dad. I know what I said, but there's
2: no helping him. Did you see what happened to Ronnie? He's dead. Man, he's, he's fucking dead. I mean, I never liked the guy, but god damn.
1: I know. We don't have time to grieve for him right now. We have work to do.
2: But we can't stand up to those things... And you know what? Dad doesn't deserve our help. You know what he did, what he was like. How could we help that motherfucker?
1: Yes, I know. He was a trash human being when he lived, but the kind of hell he's in right now? I don't think anyone deserves that, and I just can't stand to think of anyone suffering like that when I can help it. Also, we owe it to Ronnie, despite the fact that he was kind of an asshole and probably had something to do with her dad's death. He took us in when we needed it, when we were kids. Yes, he lied, all those years. But he gave us his life. He put in the time.
2: Sure, fine. But how do we get past those... things to save his, um...
1: soul, I guess? Those things?
0: Lee said, turning and facing the tunnel in the wall.
1: I think those things... Our dad, and his fellow miners.
0: What? His eyes went wide.
1: That thing, I I think it was dad, or what's left of him.
0: Darren staggered back a couple of paces. No, 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 it's not true. But he knew in the pit of his stomach that she was right. Lee picked up the book and opened it to a certain page, displaying a drawing of the Kopesh next to what appeared to be a flaming skeleton. The image was surrounded by a pentagram, contained writing in a language Darren did not recognize. Hey! Darren said, reaching to a high shelf. This the thing you're looking for? Carelessly strewn under some rusted tools, Darren pulled out, a tarnished but still sharp curved blade. Despite its rust, it was exactly as Lee had remembered it, down to the strange beast, mouth agape, on the pommel of the blade. Wow, yeah. Lee said, palming the sword, taking some cursory swings with it.
1: That's it.
0: Now what? He was afraid of what her answer might be. We go. Lee pointed to the tunnel. Oh,
2: hell no. Are you fucking kidding me? No way. Look, let's call the cops or something.
0: This was the first time in his life he had uttered those words.
1: No, I've never been more sure of anything in my life. I'm going in there, and you can come with me or not.
0: Less than an hour later, flashlights in hand... The pair entered the narrow earthen tunnel. Lee wore a backpack that contained some water and clutched the copeche with her left hand. Darren followed behind her, glancing back at the soft yellow light from the basement as they made their way forward into the pitch blackness. The corridor was dank and so absolutely dark that the light from their flashlights was completely swallowed leaving only a few feet of visibility in front of them. The heat was oppressive. Sheens of sweat began to appear on their brows. Lee let her light dance on the walls of the tunnel, could make out deep scratch marks on its surface, no doubt made by large, bony fingers. Lee shuddered, fear weighing into the pit of her stomach, but she pursed her lips and pressed forward. At times, the cavern was so narrow that they had to turn sideways or duck down to continue, sometimes crawling on their hands and knees. You know, there's no supports in this place. Darren wiped sweat from his forehead. If there were a collapse, well...
1: Yeah, I know.
0: After they had traveled for 15 minutes, Lee stopped, signaling she wanted a break. They sat on the earthen floor, musty air filling their lungs, sharing a bottle of water. I can't believe this is happening. Or maybe it's not. Is this a dream?
1: Fuck. Life is a dream.
0: (laughs) They sat for a moment longer before Darren continued. How will we even know when we've gotten to wherever it is we're going?
1: I think we'll know when we get there. Has, um, Dad... Talk to you since we've been in here?
0: Darren took another swig of water. Nope. Nothing. Lee contemplated this for a moment and turned to say something to Darren when a sudden sound froze them in place. They could hear a muffled yelling coming from down the earthen tunnel. The sound of someone in complete agony. The color drained from Darren's face and he grabbed Lee's hand tightly. Are you sure about this?
1: Come on. That's our cue,
0: she said standing. She helped Darren to his feet. They pressed forward for a few more minutes. Stifling heat ratcheted up in intensity, drenching their clothes in sweat.
2: This must be what hell feels like.
0: Darren gripped Lee's hand. Soon they found the walls were no longer made of earth, but smooth, warm stone. Wow. Lee exclaimed, running her hand along its surface. It seemed to be made completely of shining black glass. Looks like obsidian. Darren was in awe, touching the smooth surface of the walls with his fingertips. It looked to be made of a singular piece of stone and reflected their flashlight beams like a tinted piece of glass.
1: It, It almost looks like it was built here.
0: She turned her light onto Darren when she saw his face, pale, streaked in dirt and sweat She came toward him and placed her arms on his shoulders.
1: Listen, I just wanted to thank you. No matter what happens, you really showed up for me tonight.
0: Darren said nothing but nodded his head. Was he crying or was that sweat? They were cut short by a piercing scream and they instinctively clutched each other, looking into the direction of the sound. The shining black corridor curved They could make out a faint yellow glow shining from around the bend. Rounding it, they saw a large wooden door, light emanating from within it.
1: I think we're here.
0: Lee clicked off her flashlight and wiped the sweat from her eyes. They cautiously walked forward, hand in hand, until they reached the massive wooden frame. It towered above them, perhaps ten feet high. A large metal door handle lay embedded in the wood and Lee bent down to look through the crack on the bottom of the door. Lee could make out a bright orange light, but nothing more. She stood and shrugged her shoulders. Darren pressed his ear against the door. There didn't seem to be any sound coming from inside. Bracing herself, Lee grasped the large handle, warm to the touch. She turned to Darren, fear in her eyes, and mouthed, One, two... She pulled on the handle, but the door did not budge. Darren placed his hands on the door handle, and they pulled together. The door slowly shifted, then swung open toward them with a menacing creak. The nightmarish sight that greeted them caused Lee to stumble back, and Darren stood eyes wide, arms limp at his sides. The large wooden room was instantly recognizable to Lee, The angles seemed strange and wrong, and parts of the room seemed to fade off into the distance while others seemed too close, while the walls appeared to breathe and shift with their own strange kind of life. She recognized it as the room from the pictures in that book, the same room from her memories and nightmares. In the center of the chamber stood seven figures in a wide circle. They were the same horrors that had visited the basement, and they looked even more terrible in the strange orange glow that seemed to emanate from everywhere. Gore dripped from some of the bodies, and each one's charred skin seemed to bubble and hiss. They were gazing intently at a human figure in the center of the circle. It hung upside down from a metal chain, kicking and swaying. Lee was horrified to see that it seemed to still be alive and writhing around, kicking in vain as the skeletal figures looked on impassively. The hanging figure was half charred, though some pink strips of flesh clung to its skin, and Lee thought she could make out eyes in its half burnt skull. She recognized them Ronnie's eyes. One of the figures walked forward, and Ronnie's half-alive body flailed out to bat at the creature, but it swatted him away like a fly, and placed its hand on Ronnie's chest. Flames burst out of Ronnie's exposed ribs and enveloped his writhing body. He screamed in pain and began flailing about, making wide circles on his chain. After a minute of this, the writhing stopped, and Ronnie's body hung limply. The flames died out. But Lee could still make out movement coming from the charred corpse. Or was it a corpse? To her terror, she began to see Ronnie's skin bubble, hiss, and grow back onto his bones. Ronnie let out a shriek of pain as his flesh began to recover some of the blackened bones on his body. How long had he been enduring this? Lee could finally take no more and let out a shriek, echoed by Darren who let out a yell of his own. The skeletal figures each turned their hollow sockets in their direction. Darren and Lee shrank back. Darren turned to run, but Lee grabbed him by the arm and held him behind her. The horrors slowly turned their bodies and began walking toward the pair. Heart exploding, Lee held up the copeche and made to open her mouth, but no sound came out. The door behind them swung shut suddenly with a loud thud that echoed around the chamber. Oh shit! Lee!
2: Lee! What now? What do we do?
0: Lee! Darren shook her shoulder. Dad? Lee squeaked out in barely a whisper. Then she swallowed and tried again.
1: <clears throat> Dad! Bud!
0: This seemed to halt the creature's progress, and they formed a wide semicircle around the siblings. One of the creatures stepped forward, its mouth opening and closing as if in speech, but only gurgles and half-moans escaped its putrid, half-burnt maw. Warm urine traveled down Lee's leg, and Darren began praying incoherently, crouching against the wall of the strange room. The heat was now almost unbearable. And it increased with each step the horror took toward them. The smell of burning flesh was now palpable, and Lee could almost taste the char in her mouth. She gagged slightly but stood in place and weakly raised the kopesh in front of her. The horror stopped and faced her. It was so close she could see individual half-burnt hairs coming out of its partial scalp, and the impossibly black holes it had for eyes. <laughs>
1: Dad, I don't know if that's you in there or you can hear me, but I'm I'm here to help, I think. I can't imagine what you've endured down here for so long. I imagine it would drive a person into, well, insanity or...
0: She realized she was getting off track.
1: I'm not sure what those people did to you, but it's wrong. You don't deserve this. No one does!
0: At this, the horror before her opened its mouth and bellowed out an ear-piercing scream. Lee dropped the sword and placed her hands over her ears. The horror lunged at her, grabbing her wrist. Instant pain (laughs) shot through her arm. Her skin began to blister where the horror held her in its iron grip. Flames began to surround her captured wrist. Through the immense pain, Lee began to worry that the thing might squeeze her right hand off. The skeleton bent closer and reached out its other arm to grab Lee's neck. Lee closed her eyes, ready for the terrible burning pain to encompass her, ready for a fate worse than death. But nothing came. She heard a loud yell and felt the burning, vice like grip let go of her wrist. She opened her eyes and saw Darren standing with the kopesh in his shaking fingers. The horror's hand lay on the ground, twitching and grasping. Darren had cut the hand off cleanly at the wrist. Apparently, the creature had endured a shotgun blast to the chest, but was greatly affected by the kopesh. And Lee let a slight smile touch her lips as she noted this. The horror screamed, flames erupted from its severed stump. The other creatures seemed affected as well and began a strange throaty yelling of their own. The heat of the fire drove Lee back and she gasped as her back hit the large wooden door. Holding her wounded wrist, she looked up to see Darren standing before the horror. The burning skeleton reached out to grab Darren, but he managed to duck out of its way.
1: Darren! Let's
0: go! The other horrors had begun to move toward them, and time was running out. Darren yelled in pain as he bobbed and weaved around the flaming monstrosity, slashing mindlessly with the sword. Finally, the horror backed Darren into the door with Lee, and he crouched on the ground to escape the heat. The other creatures were fast behind it, and it looked to be the end of the road for Darren and Lee. The flaming horror stood feet away from them and let out a deafening scream before rearing back to strike them. In that instant, Darren sprung up from his crouch and slashed the horror across the chest. It staggered backward, eliciting terrible moaning noises. This seemed to affect the other horrors as well, and they staggered back, each eliciting strange, clacking moans. Darren stood to his full height and pulled the blade back, which was now gleaming in the firelight, The strange animal on its hilt now shining, as if it had been polished anew.
2: Fuck you, old man. Fuck you!
0: Darren shrieked and smashed the blade down into the spot where the horror's neck met its shoulder. Its flame singed Darren's hand and arm, but he seemed not to notice and pulled the blade out again. He brought the blade into the creature's head, splitting it in two it fell to its knees mouth agape screaming its incoherent moans he pulled the blade out and slashed one more time lopping the thing's head off and it rolled to the center of the room coming to a stop just under the blessedly motionless body of ronnie everything paused for a moment and all lee could hear was the crackle of flame still covering the body of the creature that now lay lifeless on the floor darren looked over at lee his eyes wide breathing hard his face covered in grime and sweat then all hell broke loose each one of the creatures let loose ear splitting shrieks and burst into flames falling to their knees the fire began to catch on the walls floor and ceiling and soon the entire room was ablaze lee now coughing tried to pull the door open but was now unable darren ran to her side and together they yanked it open Wait! Ronnie! He's gone.
2: There's nothing we can do for him.
0: Darren said, pulling her by the arm. She knew he was right, and took one lingering glance behind her. She wished she hadn't. Each one of the horrors was writhing on the floor. One of them stood running in circles, while Ronnie's body, now active again, writhed on its chain. Flames now covering it entirely. The image burned into her mind forevermore. Lee and Darren ran through the darkness, stumbling, coughing, and choking, barely able to hold one another up as they pushed their way back through the tunnel. It seemed to Lee that they were running for hours, or days, or years. She had lost all sense of time, and in her nightmares later, she always found herself pushing through that pitch-black, smoke-filled tunnel. Finally, they saw the glow of the basement light. The air began to cool, Darren and Lee burst into a heap onto the cool basement floor. They stayed that way for minutes, trying to catch their breath. Lee finally let out a sob and a laugh all at once.
4: We're alive!
0: We're alive! She hugged her brother. He didn't say anything, but nodded his head to the corner of the room. Do you see that? Yes.
1: Yes, I do.
0: There stood their normal, non-skeletonized dead father. He looked them over with a glint in his eye. I'm
3: free. My God. The torture is over. There's no thanks in the world to make up for what you've done for me.
0: Their father paused and words he had never uttered in their entire lifetime left his lips. I know I don't deserve it. I'm so sorry for all the pain I've caused you. I'm proud of you. I love you. And just like that, he was gone. After piling some shelves in front of the tunnel, Lee and Darren raced up the stairs, turned the cold water on full blast in the shower. They drank, let the cold water run over them, clothes and all. Soot and grime circled the shower drain and into the pipes below. Lee soon drove her and Darren to the nearest hospital, claiming a kitchen fire had burned them. Darren's arms and hand were covered in second- and third-degree burns. Lee's wrist was covered in a deep, ugly burn. The doctors marveled at how the marks appeared to be shaped like long fingers. After their burns had been treated and covered, They made their way back to Ronnie's truck. The sun was high, the sky a pure azure blue. Darren flexed his hands in the cold and grimaced at the burning pain. Once inside the car, Lee called their mother, Frances. She answered on the first ring.
4: Lee? Hi, baby, how are you? I was expecting Ronnie to call, but he never did. Is everything okay?
1: Mom... Ronnie is gone.
0: A few hours later, Darren and Lee stood in their mother's living room, coffees in hand, bandaged and exhausted.
4: Well, what the hell happened?
0: Lee reached into her backpack and produced the strange book, as well as the kopesh, which looked brand new, though they had not done anything to clean it. Frances's eyes widened as Lee brought out the items, but she quickly let her face rest in an impassive mask. Lee looked at Darren, who took a seat on the couch and nodded for her to speak. Francis eyed Darren warily as he sat, but Lee put out a hand to soothe her.
1: I don't know if you're going to believe this, but I'm going to tell you the truth as I know it. Then you are going to tell me everything you know about this stuff,
0: she said, gesturing to the book and sword. Lee methodically recounted everything as she remembered it, including her dreams and memories. Darren chimed in to fill in some of the blanks, how he had almost been caught by the police and made his way on foot to the house, all the while talking to their dead father. When Lee finished the story, she took a deep swig of the coffee and gazed down at her hands.
1: What did you do, mother? What did all those women do in that room to dad, to those poor miners? If you had seen what they became, what happened to Ronnie? What almost happened to us?
0: She flexed her wrist. A tear escaped Lee's face, and she choked up. <laughs> Visions of the burned faces in her mind. Francis leapt up from the couch and gripped her in a hug, as did Darren. The three of them hugged for a moment before Francis let her go. Oh.
4: oh honey. I'm so sorry.
0: Francis seemed to hesitate wrestling with something in her mind.
1: Tell me, after everything we've been through, you owe us at least that.
4: Yes, I suppose I do. You see, you, me, your granny, and many ladies of Deepwood are members of, uh, well, a, a coven of sorts.
2: Of witches?
4: Something like that? Although we practice what some would call magic, yes. The lineage of the group is very ancient. It goes back hundreds, perhaps thousands of years. But, uh, but listen, um... I have something to tell you, Lee. We didn't do that to your father and those miners. It was... Well, it... It was you.
0: Lee almost exploded from her seat.
4: What? I, I, I was just a little girl. that That's impossible. Yes. We were surprised, too. After a particularly, uh, bad night with your father, you snuck into our lodge and cast a... Well, a, a very powerful spell.
0: Lee's brain was swimming. Yes, snippets were coming back to her. She remembered now. Child Lee standing over the altar with a picture of her father screaming, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. Stabbing the picture with a blade. That Kopesh. Over and over, until she had exhausted herself.
4: It it was not the most complex spell, but it was brutally effective and the emotions of a child are fierce and unpredictable. You were found asleep in the lodge. We weren't sure if it actually worked. We'd never seen a child cast a spell like that. But the fire started almost immediately after the spell was cast and, and your father died along with the other miners. Some of our members wanted to kill you as punishment. But I begged for your life, and we agreed to suppress your memories instead. I guess they must be resurfacing now. That kind of repression only lasts so long.
0: She took a big swig of her coffee.
4: There is one more thing. The reason we moved to Deepwood when I was a child was because well... There are certain energies there, something ancient and dark that we imagined we could use on our behalf. But we, we were wrong, stupid, arrogant. All it took was one rightfully angry little girl to stir it all up for us to realize that we were in over our heads. Whatever exists in that town under the earth is far too powerful and ancient for us to manage. We were afraid. So out of fear, we we shut down the coven and scattered to all corners of the country. I knew it was bad, but... Hearing what the miners went through... What what you did... That's... Well... There are no words. And, And Ronnie... How could he not have told me that he closed off the mine before they escaped? Ronnie!
0: (laughs) She allowed tears to spill from her eyes for a moment before she collected herself.
4: Oh, it's, it's not your fault, Lee. You were nothing but a scared, angry little girl. It was my fault for not keeping a closer eye on you. For not protecting you. Because now, though you have rescued your father and those miners from something worse than death, now... I imagine whatever lies under Deepwood is very aware of you and your brother.
0: Lee felt a chill work down her spine, and she looked at Darren, who looked back at her with fear in his eyes.
4: But let me tell you something, Lee. Darren.
0: She brought them in close.
4: You are tough. You are strong. There is a reason everything has played out the way it has. I'll help you protect yourselves. And Lee...
0: She said, looking directly into her eyes.
4: You are going to be one hell of a powerful witch.
0: Coal Fire featured Peter Von Schally as radio host, Cops and Monsters. Victoria Hoffman as Francis Jeff Gardner as Ronnie Chad Bradford as Bud Jake Ford as Darren and featuring Sharon Combs as Lee Coal Fire was written, narrated, and produced by me, Daniel DeYoung Music by Daniel DeYoung With additional story editing by Melanie Safar and Mark Souza Technical Director, Jeff Gardner. Nightscape web design and editing by Michael Amicangelo. Special thanks to Emily Wold, Mark Souza, and Freesounds.org. If you enjoyed this story, please consider going to Nightscapepod.com and contributing to our Patreon. It's you, the listeners, that keep us going. Nightscape, the door is open.